This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery. The show that joins the Chelsea community in the morning of the passing of Gianluca Vialli. When Gianluca arrived at Chelsea in 1996, he had just won the Champions League with Juventus. His signing by then manager Ruth Hullett was a continuation of the work started by Glenn Hoddle to bring Chelsea into the modern era. Vialli announced he wanted to become a Chelsea legend, and boy did he. Famous goals at Old Trafford, in the snow at Trosmo, and the two goals in the 40 when they live in the FA Cup to help Chelsea on their way to winning the 1997 FA Cup, the club's first trophy since 1971, and helped cement Viardi's legend, legend status. Viardi became player-manager in February 1998, almost immediately winning the League Cup, followed by the Cup Winners' Cup. Then a famous victory over Real Madrid in the Super Cup completed the first treble cup-winning season in the club's history. Further success followed in the 1990-2000 season, starting with the Community Shield against Manchester United, and then the FA Cup over Aston Villa, the last cup final won at the Old Wembley. Viali's five trophies held him as the most successful Chelsea manager until the arrival of Jose Mourinho in 2004. Uh, Viali also led Chelsea to the Champions League for the first time. Who could forget the famous 5-0 win over Galatasaray or that 3-1 first-leg victory over Barcelona? Viali was sacked in September 2000, but Chelsea supporters continued to chant his name for weeks afterwards. That speaks volumes of how highly he re- the Italian was regarded. But it's not just because of on-the-pitch success that Viali was loved. Even though he was a superstar, Viali gave his all for every time he pulled on the shirt and he was a gentleman off the pitch as well. London became a home to Gianluca and his family, where he lived even after his time at Chelsea was up. In 2018, he returned to the Chelsea dugout, coaching a team of Chelsea legends against Inter Milan. And in 2021, he joined his former Sampdoria teammate, Roberto Mancini's Italy backroom staff, as he won yet another trophy on Wembley's hallowed turf. On behalf of the, my fellow fancasters, I offer our condolences to Gianluca's immediate family, his wife Catherine, daughter Sophia and Olivia, and to everyone that knew and loved him. Tonight, we will pay tribute to the man and dedicate episode 951, titled simply That's Viali, to Gianluca Viali. Uh, and joining me to do that is um, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Uh, Jonathan, welcome. Lovely to be on the show on this very, very sad day, I have to say. Huge amount of emotion going around everywhere, and rightly so, because one of the great 
great Chelsea players uh, of the modern era, um, whose whose um, buccaneering style and attitude has just uh, transformed the club. Actually, you have to you have to appreciate what a, a, a huge personality and influence this man was on on everything Chelsea, um, and he brought us huge success as a consequence of being involved with the club. Um, he was described beautifully by Sampdoria as, uh, and by Juventus, I should say, as a buccaneer, which I thought was fantastic because one of the first, as a fashion icon he actually wore for Sampdoria, he wore an earring for a period. Um, uh, but the the huge outpouring of love and grief has been, uh, has been quite remarkable for him. Uh, I just think also we should accentuate him as a player who he was, uh, um, he could put some of the people that we've got playing for us today to shame for the amount of energy and influence he had immediately. He got on the pitch as frequently as a substitute under under Hullet. But his ability, as we've discussed on the 50 Years programmes, to hit the target from wherever he was uh, with, with a fantastic shot and, and huge speed and enthusiasm and uh, i mean a proper proper center forward he was just uh absolutely phenomenal and an inspiration and i don't think played enough under hullet i think they had they had a, a, a friction within the relationship i have to say i don't that uh, he's been he's been um it's been suggested he was a, they've said he was a golden soul and everybody liked him i think there was a side to him that was very competitive he was a very competitive person and he 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 didn't ultimately get on with a huge number of people in the club particularly towards the the end of his managerial um period but um it's that that kind of of scrapping ability that he had as a player that just made him uh, his competitive spirit that made him who he was and i felt that his 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 ability to wear his cancer over the last few years was uh, was quite remarkable actually and in fact there is a lovely quote from him um cancer an unwanted travel companion he got on the train with me uh, and i have to travel with him never giving up hoping one day the unwanted guest will get tired and let me live peacefully for many more years because there are still many things I want to do. And uh, he didn't hide away. He, he, he fought it and unfortunately just, just failed to beat it and has gone from us far too young, far too young at 58. So much more. I think that Sampdoria were hoping to get him involved in their new projects to get them from the lower reaches of, of, uh, the Italian leagues back into the the limelight again. So, um, but a, a, a charming, um, a classy, very classy man indeed, and uh, sorely missed. And I really hope that there is some kind of celebration at the the bridge for him, uh, whether it means getting the nineteen ninety eight European Cup Winners Cup winners together, or even a large number of the players from that period. So we can all we can all celebrate his life with them, uh, and, and I'm not surprised at the moment there are large numbers of flowers piling up at Stamford Bridge. Uh, a huge, huge player, a huge, huge manager, and uh, a huge influence on Chelsea life um, before we were actually founded, of course, in 1997 when he uh, when he got there because they were Chelsea didn't have a history. 
Um, but yeah, absolutely, absolutely, really sad day. But anyway, on this sad day, we have we have uh, several people on the show, um, all of whom um, will probably express their appreciation of him as a player and as a manager and as a person, um, possibly more capably than me. We have the the uh, the excellent Martin Wickham, uh, the excellent Tony Glover, and the excellent Mark Meehan are all going to be. Uh, uh, talking by the way mark, uh, mark, mark uh, dean a really lovely uh intro congrats really terrific thank you yeah obviously tonight we was due to record to reflect on thursday's loss to man city and obviously look forward to the fa cup the news today supersede <laughs> the football uh, it didn't feel right to question tactics and substitutions when we've sadly lost a, a real chelsea legend i know that you the term gets used quite often these days, but uh, Gianluca definitely was that, uh, which is why we've you know, got Martin and Tony and, and Mark with us as well to to help express you know those those feelings that everyone's feeling today. I mean, for me, Gianluca was sort of just before my time. I, I remember seeing him with the sweatbands and, uh, you know, obviously the bald head and the goals, but... When I got to Stamford Bridge, Ranier was already the manager, so I only know what become after. And obviously, I've heard stories. And you know, when I was a kid, we had a caravan, and my dad's best friend was a Man United fan, and he would always sing uh, "When the Ball at the Back of the Old Trafford Net." That's Viali. Every time he saw him, I heard the song, and obviously, and I, that's how I sort of knew of Viali. But it's going to be great to hear you know stories from people that watched him live week in week out. Um, I'll come to you first. Um, Mark, because obviously you were there on the day he was announced and arrived at Chelsea in that pre-season friendly, weren't you? Yes, thank you very much, Dean. And thanks, JK. Some lovely words, both of you. And you're absolutely right. Today's not the day to talk about Manchester City and tactics and transfers. You know, there's only person we should be talking about today, Gianluca Bialy. Yes, I, I put it up today. I was, I was quite fortunate. I was down in Exeter for a pre-season friendly in July 1996. And... We did it the previous year when Luke had signed. So we thought it'd be a really lovely idea when Luke signed to actually get a flag dedicated to him. Uh, and we communicated with the club. We spoke to Rude Hullet. And Rude Hullet actually went into the Chelsea dressing room and said, Luca, you've got to come out and meet, meet, your, meet the fans, meet your people. And we did an on-pitch presentation to Luca. And I think this, this is probably part of why you know, he is what he is and why he's so lovingly remembered. It's not just the football he was. It's not just the manager he was, it was the man. He was an absolute gentleman. You know, they say you never meet your heroes, but he was an absolute gentleman, an absolute honour and privilege to meet him and just welcome to our club. He engaged with supporters. There was an after-game reception. We talked about it on the 50 Years Show. He came along to that, talked to all the fans that were there, left them off and all of those, and you sort of think, we've really got a real lovely person coming to join our football club and the legacy he obviously left behind first in his playing time and then in his managerial time and you mentioned some of the goals he scored you know the Liverpool game I don't think anyone that was there that day will ever forget that game he was so instrumental in getting getting us back into the game but also what he achieved as a Chelsea manager you know before before Jose Mourinho arrived but then also he got it and we've said this many times Gianluca Vialli got Chelsea Football Club. And there's just so many lovely tributes today from former managers. Jose Mourinho today with Roma players. 
absolutely fantastic. Joe's got Chelsea. He knew what Chandler Kadiali meant to Chelsea Football Club, meant to football, meant to Italian football. Carlo Ancelotti today, another lovely tribute. But Viali himself, you know, I think it was either Ginger Darren or Chelsea Look Back video, that video they posted where he just said, you know, he fell in love with Chelsea Football Club, but also we as supporters fell in love with him. And you know it's coming. We knew he was ill. We knew he had pancreatic cancer for the second time. But even though you know it's coming, when it comes and it hits you in the gut, like it did for many Chelsea fans today, you think, wow, you know, we've really lost someone at a ridiculously young age. And again, I agree with JK. I'm absolutely sure Chelsea Football Club will do something before the Crystal Palace game, reuniting those squad players he played for him. And I know they came back a couple of years ago when they had the, the charity game, Ray Wilkins' memory. I'd like to think in future years, Chelsea Football Club, maybe Juventus, maybe St. Gloria, maybe combined of the two, do some kind of charity game, perhaps for a cancer charity in Luca's name. The man has left the legacy of Chelsea Football Club, the second most successful manager, and it was a privilege as a Chelsea supporter to see him play on the pitch. And I think one of my favourite memories was the feeling he got when he got that all-important first goal for Chelsea against Coventry City. Go online and watch it, people. That sheer emotion of actually breaking his stuff at Chelsea, it meant so much to him, but also it meant so much to us as fans as well. Luca, we're going to miss you. You were absolutely fantastic at Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, lovely works, Mark. Um, Martin, I suppose for, for many Chelsea fans, similar age to yourself, Viali was you know, the Oscar of his generation in that superstar striker that people adored and watched in, in Chelsea Blue. Probably couldn't believe they were watching him play for Chelsea. Yeah, and his time, untimely death at a similar age has provoked a similar punch in the guts for me. Um, said it. Before I'll say it again, I'm, this is I was obviously a little bit too young for Ray Wilkins, although I knew him as a player. He's when I came of age in terms of football, he was already at QPR. Was obviously too young for Osgood. So this for me is not the first member of the first Chelsea team I truly fell for passing away on in an untimely fashion. So yeah, this is it's quite a tough one to take. Knew it was coming. Doesn't make it any easier. I think his mother flying over to. London over Christmas was a red alert in that respect. And the other thing I noted was he um, obviously stayed in London after he'd finished at Chelsea. He passed away in the Royal Marsden, which the building of which is on the Fulham Road. So I know it feels a little bit poignant. He, he's died only a few hundred yards away from Stamford Bridge. And yeah, I love Mark was saying about the goal against Coventry. I think that celebration is currently my my Twitter avatar at the moment, I think it might be the fancast Twitter avatar as well, because it's the closest Ch Chelsea you'll ever get to the Tardelli scream as a celebration. There's so much joy coming out in that. And yeah, that, that's how I remember him. Just a, Every tribute I've seen is just talks about him as a man, what a, what a man he was, whether it was, you know, Mario Melchior talking about when he'd asked for his shirt when he was a ball boy at Ajax and, Viali gave me shorts and then when he signed him a few years later he said by the way can you bring the shorts back please <laughs> and um, yeah it's just the, the humanity of the man there's been a tribute from Zola Franco Zola on Instagram Antonio Conte had to pull out of his press conference today and he's posted something absolutely 
marvellous as well. Obviously, former teammates at Juventus and no doubt there'll be more. It's just a very, very sad time. And for anyone my age who, you know, maybe didn't have Sky and was watching Football Italia on Channel 4 in the early 90s, you just remember, you know, Viali in that Juventus shirt, you know, and then he came to Chelsea. and was like, wow, this is brilliant. And, you know, but, but didn't quite see the best of him, but he definitely did his bit. And, you know, the four goals at Barnsley, you know, leading a one-man charge in the snow at Tromso when the, the prevailing attitude at the time was, oh, these foreigners can't hack the cold. And there he is rolling. Well, I wouldn't say rolling his sleeves up. I don't think he was that mad, but he was definitely getting involved. And for some strange reason, a goal in Bratislava where the ball just ricocheted off his arse and bounced in off the goalkeeper, hammered one, the goal back pass straight at him. And he just scored from there. And it's just right place, right time. And yeah, I mean... It, Tells you something that up until Jose Mourinho, he'd won the most trophies as a Chelsea manager. So definitely deserves all the praise he's getting today and all the tributes he will get in due course in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tony, there's been some some lovely tributes out there. I see you mentioned on Mixler Sooness one uh, this morning as well. And I think that just speaks, that speaks volumes of the man that all these different people from different walks of life relate to, to John Luca and the man he was. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I, I found it very difficult to, um, because, I, you know, I was eating my breakfast, scrolling through Twitter, as you do, uh, and I just saw on the timeline a, a, a picture of Gianluca Vialli come up with some Italian words. I'm not very good at Italian. Um, and I, I got that gut punch right then. Right then, my throat went, the goose people came up. Because I thought that you, you, it's like a almost instinctive. You think, I hope that isn't what I think it is. Uh, and within minutes, of course, you know, it had been announced. Um, I watched uh, straight over to Sky Sports News. I'm a, I'm a critic of Sky Sports News um, and, and and Sky in general. They were fantastic today. I mean, they were fantastic. I mean, I don't know who the lady was, Haley, something or other, but she was absolutely struggling with the whole thing, you know, through emotion. And then to see Sunis, um, who'd found out presumably about the same time as I did, because he'd only heard about it 10 minutes before, to come on and pay the tribute that he did, tell the stories that he did, um, and then to watch Guy have to terminate the interview because Soonis was just in bits, broke up. We all know Graham Soonis. We all know, you know, what a Marmite figure he can be, but we all know his reputation. Um, and to see that broke me. That, that, that was the point that, that, that got me. And, you know, JK, I think you'll probably agree with me. The older you get, the harder it is to keep your emotions in check. You become a soppier old git. The older you get, I think, and uh, I think also the more that you appreciate the genius yes. of some of these players, that's yes. the other thing. You yeah. you you look at the time you just take them for granted, you know, and you think, oh, yeah. why did he miss that? And then you see, actually, the more you understand, the more you you yeah. you you, and also the more that you see them interact with their teammates. Yeah. You know, I'm afraid I get I get uh, I get choked up by uh, by seeing that people are mates. Sorry, <laughs> I'm. When I, particularly with cricket, I don't know why that is. Like that, um, England loving that getting on with the Pakistanis just absolutely is. Yeah, I mean, they would play them 
it, we, we play with them a lot in the 2020s and they play with them all over the place but i i i just like that gentlemanly aspect of it and he was yeah. clearly a, a real gentleman i think i think for me you know i mean this this that that punch in the gut feeling that that, that whole thing that was like osgood's one you know when i was told about peter osgood um i was in a meeting with a with a customer and the customer told me uh and I, I got up and walked out of the room. I said, I'm sorry, I just, I need to go and confirm this. And also, if it's true, I, you know, I, I, I need to, I think I smoke then, I might need a cigarette, I think. And um, and it hit me like that. And, and it sort of surprised me. I mean, we all knew, um, you know, he was seriously ill. We all knew that his mum had flown over. And, you know, that's that's normally the red light, as you say, Martin, for you know, get here quick now. We've all had that phone call at some point or another, I think. Um, but I, I, I was particularly enamoured by um, Graham Soonis and his focus on the person rather than his achievements as a player. Um, and my impression always, every time, from the moment he walked through the doors at Stamford Bridge, um, to all the recent times I've seen him on TV as a pundit or, or just being interviewed because he's he's a guest at a match or playing golf or whatever, um, was polite, respectful, funny, um, never, and, and I get the JK's point, he must have had a competitive edge in there, but never saw him ever close to even losing his rag, you know, to, to sh showing any emotion other than a joy um, of being alive and and you know I remember when he came in because you know we dad and I, I appreciate for for Dean and and, and Martin I'm, I'm probably stepping back in time just before you uh, became football and aware but for Mark me and JK we put we remember the 27 years or whatever of, of nothing Hullet comes along after Hoddle it was a renaissance for the club there's no question about that a, a renaissance of everything the ambition and everything like that um, and as upset as I was when Rude was sacked um, for having the temerity to ask Ken Bates to give him another few bobby every year, <laughs> it was tempered by the joy net, of net Tony net net Tony. <laughs> no, not not gross. <laughs> yeah, and allow him to mod model his uh, his, uh, his swimwear, whatever yes. it was. Up until it was, that point, was... I thought Neto was a supermarket. How wrong I was. <laughs> well, yeah, this is before Neto's time, and Aldi. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think for me, it was the fact that, uh, you know, Ken Bates, and, and I'm a massive Ken Bates critic and disliker, but what he did was quite brave. He was trying to do something new um, and and pushing, you know, two uh, players arguably coming into the twilight of their careers into management roles was, was incredibly brave at the time um, and, and a complete new philosophy at Chelsea. And I just think with Gianluca Vialli, there was this, the joy. I saw there was an interview today after, um, they showed the interview he did after we beat Arsenal 3-1 in the um, uh, League Cup semi-final, I think, yeah. Uh, next to Dennis Wise and, I want to say Tor Andrew Flo, but it was somebody, it's just escaping me at the moment. And and the joy, the, the sheer joy, the whole thing, you know, and I believe from what I've read, that was the, his first game, I think, in charge or actually running the team. And he gave them all a glass of champagne before the game. All the players, here's a glass of champagne, settle your nerves, go out there and do a job on Arsenal. I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd be hauled over the coals now for, for putting alcohol anywhere near these 
highly machined athletes that we've got in front of us today. Uh, and I, that's what I liked, I think, was the personality, the gentlemanliness, the fact that you, you could walk up to him when he was doing his shopping and ask for a selfie or an autograph and you'd never get turned away. Never. That's becoming more and more of a rare commodity these days as footballers uh, get more and more detached from the fans through fame, through wealth, um, uh, reputation or whatever. Um, and I think that is what makes him stand out. It is. It was terrible news. I actually, as you guys will know, I was eating my dinner when, when I logged on because I've just been down to the Bolts Club where my wife was with the licensee. Uh, picked up my dinner, came back here. Uh, and, but before I went, I was sat with my daughter uh, watching at the six o'clock bulletin, I think. And after five minutes, I said to Tasha, I'm sorry, I can't watch anymore, I've got to go. Because it was all coming back, the tears were coming back and everything. Um, so yeah, very, very sad day. Great, great man. Um, and I truly believe um, that they will do something. And I've just, I know I'm rambling on a bit now, but I do want to say this. Sky Sports News read out the whole of Chelsea's tribute that came from the website and the app. The whole thing. Now, if you looked at it, it's long. I mean, you know, it would take even JK at best, it would take him about, well, it would probably take JK about 20 seconds to read the speech. <laughs> but, um, but to read it out, you know, if, if it was me, you'd be, we'd all be signing off for another day or so. They did that. But Chelsea's tribute, uh, and I don't know whether this is, uh, we can't say this would have happened in under the previous regime, but whoever sanctioned that wrote that. And I, 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 I don't know, but I just got the sense that Rick Glanville must have had, may have had something to do with it because of the historical references to goals and games in it, etc. But it was marvellous. It was one of the most fitting, beautiful things I've ever read. And whoever did that at the club did that with love and respect and compassion and absolutely got the tone with the fans and everybody today spot on well done Chelsea Football Club yeah spot on Tony I think that maybe is a good start of where they're going to go with these tributes so that they can do that you know very quickly very well with time hopefully they'll get this you know spot on with how they pay tribute to John Luca at games um JK I do want to touch on Viali, the player as well, because, you know, people like myself, supporters in the States who wouldn't have got to see Viali live. Um, obviously, you've seen many, many great strikers at Chelsea through the years. Not to how does he compare, but what made Viali Viali, I suppose? Well, he just had that ability to, uh, very like Jimmy Floyd, actually. They were, they were, they were almost built out of the same, the same stuff. Um, uh, saw the goal and had a dip, you know, um, terrific at volleying, but also with ease got into position to do it. You know, you, you, it's all very well saying, you know, he was there to shoot and he shot, but he'd already done the hard work by anticipating. And you also mustn't forget that he was a, he just had a brilliant football mind as well. His, his cross for, um, for Zola to score. Uh, was it in the 4-2? Was it the Liverpool one? Was the header? Was that, I can't remember. Was that right, guys? I can't remember. The, the cross the um, cross he did, JK, was all at school, was for Chenza. Yeah. Oh, for Chenza, of course it was. Of course it was. Yeah. It was after, yeah. it was after um, Hughesy had scored from the uh, from De Hoy's uh, kick. Yeah, and he'd, he'd done that wonderful moment. Yeah, yeah. Was 
was what I loved was uh, about watching him was you sort of could see these things happening just because of his speed. He was very speedy, despite when he first came, I thought, oh, well, we've got somebody he may have won the, the European Cup the year before, but we've got somebody just in the twilight of his career and we'll see what happens. And there was a kind of feeling that, well, um, you know, let's see what he can deliver. And then you realised that you were still dealing with somebody at the top of their game. And he was also symbolically, he was there because other players would become attracted to the club. It just became apparent that was going to be the case because he was he was a superstar. He'd won everything. I mean, you know, he'd won the 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 Serie A twice, and he need won the 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 their FA equivalent, the FA Cup four times, and you know, he, he he'd won so many trophies. Um, so you were getting that. But what you didn't appreciate was the the you could actually see it on the pitch. I remember thinking when he when Zola scored this goal. Um, he belted up the touchline and I kept thinking his hamstring's going to be okay because he's just absolutely, he was, he was, you know, fit as a butcher's dog. He was, he was still your main man that way. And Zola anticipated that what exactly was going to happen. And he delivered this cross absolutely pinpoint to his head. And he just, he was just Zola. I mean, he didn't see Zola score many headers, but Zola, Zola couldn't miss it. And, uh, it, it was this kind of athletic moment. He was, his, there's a wonderful picture, I don't know if you keep seeing it, of him trapping the ball in midair as it's been, there's a kind of iconic Viali picture with all his muscles standing out on his leg, these huge thighs. And it was the kind of thing that he could do regularly because it, you, you punt the ball up to him and he just control it. And you'd think, you wouldn't think anything of it. It's what we were talking about, Tony, this. You you just accept these things. Oh, he's, he's a decent player. Then it's only afterwards you go, actually, the ability to be able to do that, to take three strides and control the ball in the air from a, you know, slightly wayward punt up there was phenomenal. Um, but it was this, it was this, um, I, I think all the goals he scored against Barnsley, for example, this ability just to get there and just be absolutely clinical with getting the ball in the back of the net. And the, the, the the big stride that he had going for the ball and as i say this the ability to hit the target from wherever he was so many very very rarely scuffed a shot it might blaze over but nonetheless it was he was deadly accurate deadly accurate and i just have this memory of him constantly running past um, um center halves and just slotting in um uh, unbelievably clinically uh so uh, it, it's 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 and also just being, it's, it's the spinning your player, getting on the right side, you know, holding the ball up, um, uh, darting away with the ball, looking for the return pass. I mean, just just top, top stuff. Um, and you could tell that he inspired people around him to play at their best as well. You know, I felt Dennis, really, Dennis Wise, who was one of my favourite players of that era, one of my favourite players ever, who never, ever stopped running, um, was, was similarly inspired by having him in the side because he... He, not that he'd raise his game. He just knew that there was somebody there who was going to put the ball away. It was, it was, um, uh, it was. You almost felt. I mean, he didn't get selected an enormous amount with under under Hullet, who seemed to want to play. Um, um, I don't know whether they they did. They fell out ultimately, didn't they? He, so he didn't get. If example is the European um, Cup Winners' Cup, isn't that right, Mark? Mark, I, I can't remember. He didn't actually play in the final, did he? He came on as a no, sorry, the cup final. He came on as a sub, didn't he? He wasn't two minutes, two minutes, two minutes from time. Yeah, but, yeah, which but, which I won. I, say again, sorry, Mark. Yeah, yeah, but but the also important thing was although Hullet brought him on two minutes to go, the whole stadium's response to him when he came on was just was phenomenal. Yeah, 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 phenomenal. I remember, yeah. I remember. No, so so um, 
Yeah, and he, he he seemed to take that pretty well, didn't he? But re- there were many of us thinking actually he should have been playing, you know, from the way he'd been contributing for the to the season. But you know, um, um, so I, I I just felt there was a there was an element of both of them standing up to each other. There was an element of uh, of Hullet uh, um, putting him in his place a little bit. Um, did you get that feeling, Mark? I just always had that with the, the two of them. I felt there was just a slight friction. And uh, I thought he should. We, I think we discussed this on 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 the fifty years show that he should have played more often. Um, uh, it just seemed to be the way that he was being treated. Uh, whether he spotted something in training that he didn't uh, he didn't think was quite uh, up up to speed. But um, uh, for me, there was always a wonderful free song of excitement if he ever came on because he was a he was a star, he was a world star, and uh, and he was playing for Chelsea. Brilliant. Mm. Yeah, and I suppose, Mark, it's hard to think of many Chelsea players that have scored as many iconic goals as, as Viali did, and I suppose that helps this legendary status and the way we all talk about him is because we remember those moments more vividly, don't we? Oh, absolutely. If you look at his playing record, Dean, I think he played 69 games, 19 substitutions, so that's reflected very much probably when Hullet was manager. He got 40 goals, and he didn't get many duff goals in there. And if you, we've talked about the Coventry goal. We've talked about those two goals in the Liverpool game. Tromso, I think the lucky people that are at and snowing Tromso out that night. But it wasn't just Tromso away. Tromso at home. He got a hat-trick. Return the leg as well. And again, probably the most memorable goal of all. And it, it just seems apt as well where we are now talking about him. But he scored that memorable goal at Old Trafford just a couple of weeks after Matthew Hard- Harding died. And that whole emotion running through Chelsea Football Club at that time. We played Spurs, we played Manchester United the following week. And he would have been alive to that and where to that. And going up to Old Trafford and winning and him scoring the winning goal. And I think he talked about it on videos down the years. That was memorable. We've talked about the Barnsley game as well, the four goals there. He didn't get many, many, many bad goals. But I think picking up on JK's point, yeah, he's a winner. Yeah, he was a winner. And I think that's reflected perhaps if he did fall out with people. He fell out with Pete because he wanted to win. And it wasn't, it wasn't just with Tullet. Um, we inherited the winner from Juve, but he fell out with Sacchi, the Italian manager at the time. He stopped playing for Italy. So yeah, that's just Gianluca Viola. He, he so badly wanted to win. By doing that, he sort of probably fell foul of people. And I know Martin made reference to Zola, but if you haven't seen it, Zola's tribute to him is beautiful. Yeah. You know, he actually says, for the love of our ball, we have often clashed with no quarter, but always, always with the utmost respect. Because in the end, we were always ourselves. Two Italian boys and a ball. Goodbye, Luca, fellow traveller. But also, the other thing I said earlier about the man, and I will probably talk about you know, what he's like as a manager as well. When his time ended at Chelsea, the dignified way he accepted that, you know, and when he lost his job, which is a really sad day for Chelsea fans that day, I don't know if they do do it now, but Chelsea ran a poll and they asked fans on the website, you know, are Chelsea right to replace Viali? Well, I thought they probably got a bit of a shock. Within a matter of hours, 5,000 people had quickly voted and 70% of people said straight away, no, it's not right to replace him. I but then Viali, yeah. yeah, Viali himself then quickly came out and the dignity in which he accepted, which ultimately was his sacking, just about the gentleman he was, 
There is never a happy time for parting of the ways, but the club is more important than any individual. As I said earlier, he just got Chelsea Football Club. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Um, Martin, I want to talk about, obviously, when you were watching Viali, you was obviously a, a bit younger than you are now, probably at, at school, I'd guess. Yeah, I was about 11, 12. 11, 12. So, he signed, obviously, would have helped your status in the in the school playground, having trophies. Not really, because I was surrounded by Arsenal fans who were just arrogant about winning the league, but I didn't really care, to be honest with you. It was just, you knew the club was going places. Even at that age, you were aware that there was progress being made. And him, he was just such a symbol of that. He was all over the sky advertising for the next season. And then, and, he fell in love with London as well, which which helped, which probably encouraged him to stay even when things maybe weren't going so well in his first season when he wasn't playing as regularly, and then he stayed on as manager. But yeah, it's just yeah, it's just good a, a privilege to watch him play, and you know, a little bit underrated as a manager, I find. You know, he didn't win those trophies by accident. He did a he did a good job in his own way, although. I was, I suspect he, he definitely wouldn't be doing the player-manager role now. The pressures of the game have changed. Yeah, tell me, I want to talk about, obviously, the managerial side because it's not something we see these days, player-managers. Um, was it a shock at the time that Viardi was replacing Rude when he left in 98? Um, yeah, I think it was. Although, um, I seem to remember um, when Hullet was sacked, uh, I think we may have had a game um, or some gathering somewhere where the fans were shouting for Viali, you know, as if to say we want him next. 
Um, Mark might be able to correct me on that. I do seem to recall that happening. Um, I think it was because George Graham was the next in the line. And I well, think you see, that would have been... Even, that was, that was for Hullet after Huddle. Yeah, that, oh, you're right. That was totally yeah. right. Really right. Yeah. yeah and, and, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. I, was, I think George Graham, you know, was ex-Chelsea back in the 60s anyway, but it will always be associated with Arsenal. You know, that was always going you know, to be that. that was Graham, yeah. It was after, um, yeah, sorry, that was definitely after Hullet, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, my um, recollection but, is the sacking of Hullet and the announcement of Viali as replacement right. was pretty much immediate. Yeah. We'd lost to Arsenal on the Sunday and I think he was sacked on the Thursday. But it was, because, I mean, I loved Hullet. I loved what he did. Um, you know, he he broke a 27-year duck of any trophy of worth. Um, from the Cup Winners' Cup in 71, um, or 26 years, whatever it works out. Um, and, and, and I'm like a lot of people, I, you know, I woke up one day thinking, is that not with the Rude Hulit that's coming to Chelsea to play? And I had the same thing with Viali. But what the Gendo Luca Viali was like, really? We're going to get the, it's not like, you know, John Luca Viali or Jack Luca Viali, is it, or something like that? Um, and so when he comes through the door as a player, uh, you know, everyone's really excited. That I think as a manager, um, I think it was a sh- I think it was a shock in the sense that it could. Well, I, I say what it did. It cushioned the ill feeling. Ken Bates was a wily old goat. I mean, I, you know, I said I'm a critic of his, but I think he knew how to play the fans to a degree. And you know, sacking Hullet and announcing Viali. Um, uh, went to some way to cushion in the blow because I don't think there was many people shouting for Hullet's head at the time um, because of the progress we were making as a club, starting to look like we were stopped uh, or were about to you know, no longer be yesterday's men or nearly men or whatever. Um, but uh, I, I also seem to recall at the time um, a sense of optimism, you know, that if the club were going to do this sort of thing, then it was the right thing to do. I've always been wary of player managers, even like we said, we don't really see them anymore. Um, but even back then, I always thought, how can you do both? It's a bit like, I suppose, and uh, JK, I don't know, you correct me if I'm wrong, but can you be uh, a film producer and a director on the same film? Because you're, you're kind of mixing two roles, really. Um, and and I, I always think it was a bit like that. I always find there must be a conflict somewhere because, you know, the manager needs to be separate from the players. I think it's um, the personality change that is yes. necessitates is the problem. Yeah. I think that was one of the problems I think some of the players had with him mm. because he was assuming the uh, um, uh, he's their boss. He was yeah. their mate before. I think that's nearly always the problem they have. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, some people, are, uh, they, they wrongly assume a role um, of thinking somehow that they need to become um, slightly aloof from mm. the, the very people who are their friends. And yet at the same time, if you've got a friend... Um, who you've got to give an order to, it gets quite difficult. Yes. So I think there's a, that's the perennial problem with doing that. Yeah, and I think that was that they even alluded to that on the Chelsea site today, didn't they? That, um, you know, there'd been a falling out with some of the players, etc. towards the end of his, his tenure as, as player yeah. manager. Um, but I think it, it wasn't as great a shock as, as, as you'd think, Dean. I think it was because it was very cleverly balanced up, uh, you know, with the news that they'd sacked Hullet. Um, you know, for a cut of Bob, you know, almost a repeat of the McCready, I'd like a car, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, so, uh, uh, 
and, and, and what so when he came in so actually my recollection of, of of the day he he came in and the first games and everything that he did during his tenure was positivity yeah you know he never he never hid he never hid when Chelsea had a bad result um and he was interviewed afterwards um and you can see the way the media have reacted you know this is this has been uh, it, 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 this has made a lot of noise right across the newspapers, across the broadcast media as well today. And the outpouring of the word that comes through every single time is gentlemen. Yeah. You know, nobody's had a bad word to say about him at all. Um, and he's, there's usually a dissenter or two somewhere in there, but not, not today. Um, but I just remember at the time being... because. I think it was at a time when you started to become perennially confused by Chelsea. Oh, we're doing well, are we? Oh, right, well, uh, oh, so he, the manager's gone, is he? Right, just as we were doing okay, you know. We, we, we started to get into that that cycle of uh, of managers, which could settle down a bit with Ranieri, because I think he had four or five years, didn't he? Um, and I never took to Claudio like I took to Gianluca. And, and I've, I mean, I've dug this out today, and, and this is my... So we went to, I think it was a... My recollection was something like Chelsea versus Derby at Stamford Bridge. Um, uh, my daughter was two or three years old, I guess, at the time. Uh, my youngest daughter. And we bought her a shirt, right, in the club beforehand. And we won't watch the game. I, I think it was Derby. I, I, honestly, it's so long ago. And I'm not, unlike Mark and Jonathan, um, you know, I haven't got that sort of Android man memory system. Um, but we bought this for her. Right, we dug it out today. So for those of you on Mixer, it's the auto glass blue, uh, sort of uh, lighter blue with the collar, the white cuffs, and the um, polo shirt. So the bit of yellow, the bit of yellow. With a bit of yellow. And on the back, we had Bialy. And my daughter got upset about it today because she remembers the fondness and the story from that game is really related but it kind of summed up the atmosphere I think at Stanford Bridge at the time because I think it was a game we won 3-1 uh, and uh, it's <laughs> I mean it could have been Marco or, or Kelvin or someone like that it was a great big bloke who just went just bite my daughter had pigtails in coat whatever you call them like baby spice and he actually said baby spice at Stanford Bridge whipped my daughter up at the end of the game and took her down to where the players were. And my wife was going, what the... I said, don't worry. I said, they're not going to nick her. They're just taking her down there. And she was giggling all the way down to where uh, Luca and all of them players were as they did their parade of honour or lap of, lap of appreciation. And, and she's never forgotten that. My wife's never forgotten it. And I think it... it that, you know, that kind of thing exuded. It came from his generally very positive demeanour that he had. You know, we oh, had Tony. Made, I think that was the year we finished third, I think. Yeah, Tony, it was the last game of the 98-9 season where he actually walks around with Bates. Bates yeah. walked him around the pitch. It's the lap of appreciation at the end of the 98-9 season. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the only reason I know that is, you know, obviously JK may take the now. But obviously when I did the book Blue Tomorrow, I put that picture on the front cover because I just thought it was so iconic. You know, mm. like, clever man, you said. Clever man Bates was. Yeah, you know, that when they were doing the lap appreciation, he pushed Viali into the spotlight yeah. and said, "No, you take all the applause here because you've got us in the third place." 
And and I think we haven't mentioned so far, he got us into the Champions League. Yeah. He's Did he score for in that league. game against Derby as well? That was his last oh. professional game and he scored. Oh, he probably, no, no, I know we won it. We won it. It was the yeah. last day of the season and we won it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was his last game because he retired as a player yeah. shortly after. I remember yeah. I was really annoyed by him retiring as a player. I wanted him to keep going because I thought he still had a lot in him. I was, I was, I wanted him to come on as I wanted him to still be a sub, but I suppose he, he, uh, I think he'd learned his lesson from Hullet actually, because Hullet was trying to still be a player. Yeah. If you remember, that was one of the reasons that, that Bates got rid of him because he still wanted a separate player's contract as well as a managerial contract. And he wasn't yeah. playing very well. And perhaps he felt he couldn't keep his fitness going, or perhaps he felt that he needed to, to, to try and create that kind of aloofness, what you were saying, Tony, the, uh, mm. the the dual roles of that. But can I just ask a question, which you might know, Mark, do you remember that there was an enormous papier-mâché head of Viali at the 97 Cup final? <laughs> it was, it, 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 yes, it was the League Cup final against Middlesbrough. It's the League Cup final, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder yeah. what on earth happened to that at the end, because it was... That, uh, was I've that a Coca-Cola to... thing? That's it. Yeah, it was Coca-Cola yeah. with the sponsors. Yeah. yeah so they've done a packet mash of it. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was... I kept thinking, having been the lion, I kept thinking of the poor bloke who was underneath, just having to having to carry the thing around as to how he was managing it. Just um, pity the poor bugger who had to dress as Brian Robson at the other end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you never know, JK, he probably got kidnapped. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, probably was. It's been kidnapped. I thought somebody's waiting to bring it out. Probably be brought out for if there is a memorial for for Gianluca. And I'll just say as well that that the the period of Gianluca playing for Chelsea, of course, spawned an enormous number of children being called Luca as a consequence of of Chelsea fans, of because uh, of his popularity. So, uh, and 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 again, it relates to it because uh, Sky, uh, the good lady at Stamford Bridge tonight on the Sky News was speaking to someone she said oh and that, that last chap I interviewed was the one who named his son Luca okay I go down the bowls club to you know see, see the grandchildren and all that and, and, and whatever before I come here or come back here and I walk through the door and my seven-year-old granddaughter has come up to me and said granddad you've got to choose a boy's name I said what do you mean she had this list of names that she'd come up with for my um well, it will be my grandson in May, okay, when he's born. And she had all these names. She said, which one do you like? And I said, well, I, first of all, I said, Granddad. Can't we call him Granddad? <laughs> <laughs> this is the sort of stupid thing you do as a Granddad. Um, but the next thing I said to her, and I said to her, I said, why didn't you put Luca down? You know, L-U-C-A. She went, oh. And my eldest daughter, Vicky, just went, oh, I like Luca. Oh, she said. So, you know, it, it's on the list of potentials now um uh, and i think that's the impact for for me but i think there, you know like you said there was an awful lot of people got it suddenly became a very popular name didn't it you know and um uh again the mark of how people felt about him yeah yeah such a, a short space of time as well really to have such, yeah. a, such a huge impact and uh jk as mark mentioned the champions league getting chelsea into that and uh what was that experience like at the time, Chelsea in Europe? Because it was, would have been unthinkable, wouldn't it, for many years? 
well, Mark, um, uh, help me here because my, my memory keeps going. This was when we... It's like we, a 50 years show, Jake. It is like a 50 years show. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, didn't we... Um, didn't we uh, um, that was the season where I kept saying we should have won it the season before. So we finished third, wasn't it? But I said we should have won. Absolutely right. We should have won the league. Should have won the league. Yeah, yeah. The Steve Guppy season. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Exactly, exactly. exactly. And I went to Sheffield Wednesday to see the the ridiculous nil-nil draw the following week um, when we should have similarly um, made an effort. We didn't appear to be making an effort because John Luca had given up. So um, there was a slight element of annoyance to answer your question, Dean, with my view of getting into the Champions League. I mean, I was wonderfully pleased, obviously, because we're suddenly going to be playing amongst the elite. And it was it was what the team deserved because it was a fabulous team. You mustn't forget that, that it's one of the great teams that period. The, the, the joy of seeing them play is still something I will always you know, keep with me. I loved it. Um, but um, uh, I felt his managerial skills were somewhat wanting. So I'm slightly, slightly critical of him as a manager. Um, because they should have won it because they were playing so well and he made several mistakes. And as you mentioned there, Martin, the um, the infamous uh, Steve Guppy using Michael Dubry as a kind of um, uh, um, plumb line to how, where he could put the ball round him from the strike right in front of it with his right foot and curl it into the corner. And why I remember that so vividly is because I was exactly in line with it. You do that thing, I'm thinking, oh God, stuff is, Guppy's going to shoot. No, and if he just curls it now... Dubes is standing in exactly the wrong position. Oh god, oh god, there it is in the net. And um after a Dubri own goal for the first lesson. For the first one, yeah, didn't, didn't great. Brit's bringing it back now. I don't need this. <laughs> no, no, yeah, please, <laughs> please don't. Please don't. But um, so yes, I was uh, terrifically excited and it was fantastic. And they played wonderfully, but at the same time, I was um I, I was questioning his managerial skills, Dean because I felt that we were good enough to win it, to win the league the season before. But yeah, um, taking part in the Champions League was quite phenomenal. And some of the, well, I went to lots of the away games and it was, it was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. I loved it. It was in the fact that he was involved in that as well was, um, you know, a testament to his, his, uh, his, his, I would say abilities as a manager, but also him as a figurehead. It was very great to have him as a figure because he was, he was, he, he had an abundance of personality, so you got you got, you know. I'm sorry to be slightly refer, referential to the current situation, but I just really think you need to have a manager with personality, running a club, and um, uh, and he had that in absolute spades. So, but yeah, so I think the person to ask specifically for all the games with the Champions League uh, team would be Mark, who has the the or as usual the. Uh, um, the the memory of a of a fish. No, I didn't mean that the wrong way. Sorry, he, the, he, he, eats, he eats a lot of fish, therefore has a fantastic memory that way. Hasn't he? Yeah. he hasn't had any fish tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, does that mean it's not it's not quite working for you? Well, it depends what Dean asked me. Yeah, yeah sure, it's true. <laughs> I'll make it easy for you then, Mark. What what games stand out the most to you under Viali's managerialship? Oh, in the Champions League, or yeah, uh... any any games you want to. Oh, I, I think probably the game immediately just leaks out straight away. Um, obviously, he took the job on, and Tony made reference to the Arsenal game, which was like the massive game, the glass of champagne. But soon after, he had a bit of a baptism of fire, Luke, because he had that Arsenal semi-final, which he turned around and we won 3-1. I think then we lost Leicester, or I think we lost home at Man United. 
I think then his fourth game in charge, his first game was a semi-final second leg. His fourth game in charge was a tricky away leg in the European Cup Winners' Cup against Real Betis. Fourth game in charge. And Betis, I think, at that point, were unbeaten in Spain, unbeaten in Europe. And that night, we just went out there. We, we just comfortably... I know we only won 2-1. But our performance that was tremendous. And then, like, about two weeks later, it's like, like his sixth or seventh game in charge was the Coca-Cola Cup final against Middlesbrough. You know, that short space time, big games, big man, big games. But I'd say games I would remember broader than that, you can't not include the Vicenza game. Absolutely tremendous game that night against Vicenza. You have to talk about Stockholm, you know, that memorable night in Stockholm, winning the Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah, and Tony made reference to that. You go back 27 years, the 1971, and we were kids, you know, watching Chelsea win the Cup Winners' Cup in Athens. And I don't think many of us ever thought we'd ever see that in our lifetime as Chelsea mm. fans. And going out to Stockholm, and he did the right thing. And, he, you know, he, he didn't, you know, he, you know, he didn't put Zola in at the start because Zola wasn't 100% fit, but he brought him on at the right time. And Zola obviously wins the Cup Winners' Cup for us. I think also as manager, like the following season in the Champions League, that first game, I know it was a nil-nil, but that first game in the Champions League against AC Milan at home, we belonged. We were in the Champions League and AC Milan then were one of the, the teams, the teams in Europe. I know they've fallen off a bit and we did the double over them this season. But you, you watch that nil-nil game. If you go back on YouTube, one hell of a game. And you come out of there thinking, do you know what? We're not out of place here. We're not like a fish out of water. We belong in this. And then obviously the memorable night um, over in the San Siro. And that was just like a hotbed. You know, 70,000, 80,000 people. And he has that confidence that, that Mourinho then repeated. Because obviously what they were saying was about how the Chelsea players will be able to cope with the atmosphere in the San Siro. And Lucas says, I believe that we'll be able to cope with the atmosphere in the San Siro. There might be 78,000 supporters in the ground, but my players will be fired up for this game. It is a great place to play football. And we have players in our team who are great footballers. Other games, the Galatasaray game, going mm. out to Galatasaray, winning 5-0. And I know JK said, obviously, the frustration of not winning the league. But that 98-99 season, some of the football Chelsea played under Bialy stewardship was absolutely tremendous. And another season, we might have like won, won the league title. It just wasn't to be. And probably then the other game that really sticks out probably for many people is that Barcelona home game where we just raced into a 3-0 lead in such a short space of time. Flo got two goals Zola. We belonged in the Champions League under Gianluca Vialli. And you think where we are in this present day, we're just like a permanent fixture in the Champions League for many, many years. But that journey started under Vialli's stewardship. Uh, Mark, even though we lost in the quarterfinal, I remember thinking at the time, my goodness, we're one of the top eight teams in Europe. Mm, yeah. Which I absolutely loved. I loved that. Yeah. Yeah, Martin, I'll, I'll come to you as well. Sort of what matches and moments, even like the trophy wins, what stands out to you as Vialli time? Chelsea, Chelsea five, treble winners, Manchester United, nil. I'll just throw that one in there. Um, Arthur scored. Yeah. Arthur fucking Chelsea, yeah. Um, it was the, 
one of the few games uh, Massimo Taibi played for Man U in goal, and he had a he had a bit of a shocker. So not five nil, even Sutton scored. And um, <laughs> I think I seem to remember he because Taibi had been signed from Venezia that. Um, some of the papers called him the Venetian blind for weeks afterwards, and he never really recovered. <laughs> um, I think well, we, were, there was also, we also won 5 0 at Highbury, didn't we? Yes. A few weeks yeah. later in yeah. the Worthington Cup. And even though it was, you know, euphemistically referred to by some as the Worthless Cup or the Worthington Pint, hello, Ken Bates, um, <laughs> it's still beating Arsenal 5-0 at Highbury, so it counts. Uh, everything else really has been covered. The, uh, Mark will probably be able to correct me. I seem to recall for one of the early Chelsea Champions League games, there was a bit of an uproar because you know, because the games then were on ITV, which was still regionalised, and they went with a Man U game in the London area, and it caused untold aggro. <laughs> or oh, I can't remember if that was Chelsea, a Chelsea or Arsenal game that caused that, but I just seem to have been tricky to watch Chelsea going to the Champions League because invariably they clashed with Man U and ITV went with the Man U games. I don't remember, I suppose, because I was at the bridge, I probably yeah, was there. Yeah, because again, thinking thinking back on it, certainly the Scott Riga game, I think ITV were filming that because that was like a, almost like the first game in the group. I, I, I was there, I was Hertha Berlin, I was at the Galatasaray games, then we had Lazio, we had Feyenoord. I presume the cameras were everything, but I was at those games, so I don't know. Yeah. See, I recall Lazio, and yeah. I recall in the second group you could, but the first one was a bit tricky. Yeah. So I can't remember, but yeah, it was just great. And the Galatasaray away game was definitely on because I think they're expecting something similar to what happened when Man U went out there and lost their heads and players got sent off and we just beat them 5-0 and got a standing ovation. So, um, you know, so much for the welcome to the hell and all that stuff. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Ambrosio scored a goal, didn't he? Ambrosetti. Ambrosetti. Ambrosetti, yeah. I keep going. Can I ask you a question? Um, what game, I, I don't know the answer, what game did he get booked and then try to sub himself off because he was he was player manager but before he could be sent off? Oh, good question. Yeah. Was that Aston Villa in the late cup? Was that John Terry's debut game? Yeah, possibly. I, I know Terry Uri- came Uriah, on. Uriah Rennie was the was the the ref, if I remember. Yeah. I think it might have been the Aston Villa League Cup game. Mm. Terry definitely came on. I, I he Viali got sent off for a second booking or subbed himself off to avoid the second booking. I can't remember what. Mm, I'll see if he committed a foul, didn't he? And then ran, ran subbed himself as soon as he possibly could thinking he would then be sent off, which I think he'd still get sent off anyway. I can't remember what happened. I have no, a recollection I'm not, of it. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. It's something just rung a bell straight away, but I could be crossing my wires there. Yeah, we'll see if Mixler comes up with the answers for that one. Um, Tony, yeah, obviously... Yeah, got it. Yeah, it was the Villa game. You're spot on. Yeah, he scored a hat-trick. He got booked in the 88th minutes. Yeah, so he, I think he subbed himself for John Terry by the looks of things. No, subbed himself for John Harley in the 90th minute. Yeah. John Harley. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Was that after he'd fouled somebody? Just he was a bit worried that he would be get a second what? yellow card, or was it just... Well, the ever-reliable bounder, basically he was booked in the 88th minute, and then he substitutes himself in the 90th minute for John Harley. But John Terry did come on and make his debut in that game. He came on the 86th minute. Oh, OK. Yeah. 
Yeah, Tony, I mean, listen to all of you speak and even a moment like that, this just seems like a really fun Chelsea era. Really, was it compared to obviously the different eras you've experienced? Yeah. Was Luke really part of that? It was because um, I think by that time I, I'd, um, I mean, I start, you know, it's, it's pretty well documented. I started supporting Chelsea in 1970 when I was nine years old. So that was the lead up to the uh, infamous 1970 FA Cup final. Um, and, you know, when we, we won the Cup, on the Cup, I, think, I seem to recall in, in 71, we, we drew the first game. I think we had to play the next game about three days later. Um, it, was, it was ridiculous uh, to, to actually beat Real Madrid. Um, and, and then nothing. It was like these barren years and a club that, you know, several times nearly went under and nearly bankrupted itself because it had these grand stadium plans and they never got past the um, uh, the East Stand. And it, 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 you suddenly found yourself at times thinking to yourself, what have I done? <laughs> you know, what, what, why did I pick this lot? It's just, um, you look sort of over at Arsenal and think, oh, God, look at them winning things. Who do they think they are? Um, and... I think it was heading into the period. I, you know, I was I was on the fence pretty much about Ken Bates anyway and his ownership. Um, it was only in the sort of latter years that I, you know, leading up to Roman taking over that I, I suddenly realised I just detested the man. But um, there was this period where you sort of thought, what what are we going to do? They're building the village and doing this sort of stuff. And then he got Glenn Hoddle, and I remember thinking at the time that, that could be, you know, if, if Hold was management is anything like the way he played football. Uh, we're in for a treat here. It seems to be a sign of of something of philosophy within the club changing. And then you know Hullet and Hullet then getting involved Viali. And this I used the word Renaissance earlier on, and I absolutely meant that. It it was a, an awakening um, after years of of oh look at us we won the full members cup or the Zenith. Data Systems Trophy or whatever, um, which and uh, only J.K. will remember this, and Mark me and Mark will remember this as well. But um, probably better than day, me. Well, back in the day in 1970, you had the FA Cup, the League Cup, and the First Division, and there was another competition that was done at the time. It was called the Watney Cup. Anyone remember that? Yeah, yeah Derby County beat Man United in the final four-one. Yeah. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. Right, so it just it always felt to me like we just won <laughs> we, you know, the equivalent of a, a Watney's Cup. And and so Luca was, a, a I think, the, the key figure and a, and a step hoddle to Hullet to Luca um, and a change of everything, an image of the club um, and a culture within the club. And that's that's what I loved uh, about the whole thing. Um, it, you know, it just really meant that much to... Uh, to me, I'm, I'm going to go on mute because people are coming through the front door, Dean. So move on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah JKS, what sort of surprised me that Viali had all this success and then he didn't really do anything after Chelsea. He had a little spell at Watford, but seemed to steer clear of, of coaching after that. I wonder whether the Watford experience disillusioned him, actually, because I think he spent a lot of money. It I felt did. He, he felt a lot of left. I think he felt he'd let a lot of people down, actually. Yeah, I, I got was, that impression. And uh, someone's one of the journals on Sky today was speaking about the fact that uh, the Watford uh, experience was the one that actually made him think, "No, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I don't." The pressures and and everything that was changing, um, and and he decided that he, you know, his his career laid in sort of punditry and writing books and 
and that sort of thing. So I think it was a, you know, after the Watford experience, it was a conscious decision on his part that it, that, you know, that wasn't for him. I think, I think that he thought that it was all going to work, the plan that he'd, he'd, he'd got settled in his head. And they, it seemed to me that they, they'd, um, they bought some decent players and I thought they'd be competitive, but it all fell apart, didn't it? And I think he, 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 uh, he put them in a rather dodgy financial position, uh, allegedly, not that I'm, I'm, didn't watch any of the Watford games, I'm afraid, um, in that era. Um, but uh, I wanted him to succeed. You know, you want your heroes to do well, don't you? Don't you guys? You want you don't you don't want them to to come a cropper. You want to feel that they're uh, they're doing okay. Um, I'm surprised he didn't take a job on in Italy, but I think by that point he'd probably settled in England. So yeah, and he, he he made he made England his home, didn't he? And then he he got married to a rather a rather attractive young lady and um, had two kids. So you know, and I think he liked the. I think he liked the. He lived in Eaton Square, didn't he? I think he liked the. Uh, mm. um, uh, I don't know. Perhaps the. I'm, I'm making assumptions. I know nothing about. It's like it's like having a punt about um, Meghan and Harry, isn't it? By saying, "Oh, yeah, they don't get on terribly well with the rest of the." Uh, there's a particular person in the palace who. Oh no, you know, yeah. it's all just. I've got no idea at all. So I, it's useless me making a decision that he just liked Britain a lot and he liked England and London a lot. And wanted to stay here, but yeah, I, I, I agree completely. I think he he saw that he was making decent amounts of money being a a book writer and a, and a pundit because he was very capable of expressing himself in a very interesting and charming way and also um very decent um uh, football analyst so you know he was a d- decent pundit so um yeah i think that was his that was his uh, his nadir it was his downfall really he didn't want to to carry on after watford and Dean, i can't i don't Dean, blame him. i've just had a message from the club i've just sent an email just now uh and so if people are listening in what the club have basically said and people have probably picked up on all, already that an area has obviously been made available outside the Tanya entrance. That's going to be open daily from seven o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night and nine o'clock to 10 p.m. on Sunday. On Tuesday, the club have said just in an email to me now uh, and the Supporters Trust, a book of condolence will open for written tributes. It's going to be in the club museum and the stadium tours building behind the Matthew Harding stand. There's also going to be a display there commemorating Lucas' career at Chelsea. If people are unable to visit the bridge and wish to leave messages, they're going to also open an online version of the Book of Condolence. There'll be a further tribute at our next home game against Crystal Palace, so that's good to hear. And not, not surprisingly, there's going to be a minute's applause and the players are going to wear special warm-up T-shirts at our game at Manchester City on Sunday. So that's literally hot off the press in Chelsea now. And I suspect they've already now posted it on the club website. So well done to Chelsea on that. Yeah. 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 Great to hear acting so swiftly and mm. doing the right thing, I suppose, because there's been question marks about the new ownership. But I think they're handling this one spot on, Mark. Would you agree? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's not It's not easy, you know, d- dealing with the sort of death of a legend. And I think if I was sort of criticising the previous regime, I think they've got it right on things like the Peter Benetti and the Peter Osgood Memorial. I don't think they got it right on sort of like Ray Wilkins last time. Um, and I know you can't control the weather, but when they had that commemorative air outside the West End, because of the rain, they should have had it covered over because by the time it got to the first home game, the display all looked a bit wet and soggy and horrible where 
They should have sort of covered it covered it up. Yeah. The heavens had opened for three days previous, and then exactly. on the day of the game, and it just yeah. Yeah. drowned everyone. Yeah, yeah. I think they so, did. There was a tarp up, but the damage had been done by that point. Ex- exactly, exactly, Martin. But again, the club have done really well over previous um, past, you know, sort of Chelsea legends when they've held those memorial services. Fortunate enough to do the Osgood one, the Ken Shalato one, and I think a lot of people went to the Pete Benetti one just. Um, earlier last year, I'd be very surprised if Chelsea don't do a commemorative service for Luca Viali. Yeah, so that I was, think that uh, will happen. Tuesday, you say, Mark, for the, the Book of Condolences? Book of Condolences for Tuesday, yeah, Club club Museum. Okay, yeah, we'll obviously share that on the social media platforms as well, but obviously the club will, will be all over that, I'm sure. Um, I just want to ask if any of you got to meet Jan Luke during his time at Chelsea or afterwards? Yeah, I, I did. As I said, I said at the start, Dean, we met him for that Exeter game and we met him after the game as well. Uh, they held a reception in Exeter City's boardroom that the players came in and like Luca just came round. Like we, we met him on the pitch and had those photographs you know, with the flag we made for him. Again, if anyone's listening, if they know the whereabouts of that flag, It'd be great to see it again. I haven't seen it in about 20, 20 years. I think someone's acquired it and never uh, brought it back. I think the last time it might have been seen might have been out in Monaco for Champions League quarterfinal. But he actually then worked the room. And I think that's something, again, about the person and the man. You know, footballers can be sort of varying, you know, they sort of like might stay in their own group. But there was a group of Chelsea fans, and there was Exeter fans in there, in the area they'd sort of set aside. And Luca went round, sort of like shaking hands with people, just just a friendly, friendly guy. Yeah. I met him on um, coming back from Newcastle uh, when I was um, uh, Bates's actor friend. And um, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Susanna's actor, uh, Susanna's friend. actor friend. I can't remember what I was called. Yeah, Susanna's actor friend. Uh, and we were on the same flight because the the team were there, and I just um, shook his hand. Said, you know, well played. He was very friendly. Yeah, I suppose that's the, the big sort of takeaway from, from today and the reaction is those that met him sharing their images uh, where they've met him and the stories and that. And might they say not to meet your heroes, but Gianluca was one of the ones that probably a lot of people wish they would have done. Definitely. I didn't get a chance, but everything seems too positive. Well, there was some funny story below the line on a, I think it was a Guardian article, where I think he's doing a, a signing. Some kid runs up and... Um, can you sign my shirt? Can you sign my shirt and start signing? And the older brother said, No, 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 your mother's going to kill you. Mum's going to kill you. And Jan Luca Viardi looks at goes, Kill me. I hope not. We're playing Arsenal next week. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I don't know. There was a fair few of them, probably apocryphal stories or whatever. But when he first came to the club as a player, he didn't speak much English, uh, very little English. Now, I, I th- I remember this. I got this from a guy who plays golf. We all used to play golf with um, Luca and Franco and Roberto uh, uh, Di Matteo um, uh, because they were all keen golfers. Um, but Dennis Wise uh, convinced Luca Viali that uh, the F word was a, a term of endearment and, and a polite phrase. Well, it is. So he just <laughs> going, Hello, it's fucking lovely to meet you. Uh, and he. <laughs> Doing this so much to the amusement of, and it, the, the, why I believe it is because it, it. I look at Dennis Wise's face and think, yes, that's exactly the sort of stunt he would have pulled or whatever. 
Um, I've heard an alternative story from Scott Minto today. We just said he was using children's books to learn English because he didn't know that much English. But he was at the start, he was reading children's books so he could pick up the language and then would, had got very fluent very quickly. I've heard the fuck off story applied to Andre Konchelskis as well. Yeah. And someone convinced him that um, fuck off meant hello when he went, oh, up to, yes. he, went, he went up to Alex Ferguson and said, fuck off, boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, and, and you know, we'll, we'll probably never know how true that, that is, but it's a lovely story. And, you know, you had the one today, for those of you who didn't see um Graham Soonis is very, very, you know, very poignant interview that he, he had to do. But he was regaling a story of, um, because uh, Luca used to call him Charlie. He used to call him Charlie and he used to call Luca handsome. Uh, and they, they were, uh, I can't remember where they were playing now, but they were uh, they were by a lake um, up in Milan, I think he said. In Milan, it was quite foggy. Um, and we, we looked, he said, I was, he was walking with... Um, I can't remember who he was out with, another Scottish or English player. Trevor uh, Francis? Yes, it was Trevor Francis. Uh, and they saw Luke by the side of the lake with his tie done into a lasso and he was trying to catch this swan, trying to get this swan to come in. Right. But no reason was given as to why he was doing it or whatever. But uh, as soon as said, it, we thought it was funny at the time. So we, you know, he said, I ended up basically pushing, you know, Viali into the lake. He said it was a proper lake. He said it wasn't like a little pond. He said it was a proper deep lake. So he had to swim back, um, back to the to the edge where you know Trevor Francis and, and Viali were laughing their head, uh, uh, and as soon as were, were laughing their heads off. Uh, and he said I paid for that for twelve months afterwards. He said I would come in. He said I'd have a brand new pair of trousers, and Luke and Viali had turned them into a pair of shorts. Um, he said that he would often go in to find one of his shoes had gone missing. So he only had one shoe to go home with after a game and this sort of stuff. And he said, in the end, I worked out, I think that often he'd find the shoe eventually in a dustbin covered in food, with food wrapped around. Um, and the other one was that he had these, I don't know, you probably remember, I can't remember what they're called, espadrilles, you know, the kind of uh, hessian shoes, you know, the uh, whatever. Um, you wear out in the sun uh, and Viali would often fill it with shaving foam one of them so he'd just come along blindly put his foot into his epidurals and there'd be like shaving foam all up his leg and all out of the place and they were the sort of daft prankish kind of stories that you you can believe from a, a guy that had a sense of fun and, and you know as soon as we're saying it it was that moment of you know poignancy that bittersweet what a fantastic memory for you to have you know, a memory of humour, of, of, of the fun side of, uh, of a man that we all, you know, had a feeling was a, was a genuinely nice guy. Um, and it kind of added into that whole, what a loss today was. Um, and it wasn't long after he told that story that they, they had to cut the interview. And they just had to cut it because soon it just went on screen. Um, and you did this, these kind of lovely stories, and I'm sure there will be loads more coming out over the next few days, because that's the nature of us. You know, we like to recall the, the good things and the nice things about it. But uh, I found that very moving today um, when, when, when Graham Soonis, of all people with his reputation, was, was regaling. And I think he, he referred to him, he, he said, I, I don't really want to talk about football. I want to talk about a man who was a, a you know, a beautiful soul. 
Um, Do you see that United even made a statement yes. on that website? Yeah. A wonderful player, manager and person against whom it was a privilege to compete. Yes. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. And I think when you look at the tributes that have gone around today, Conte's was 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 lovely. Oh. You know, and whatever his relationship with Chelsea is, he I think he knew that 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 how much that meant to um yeah, how much he meant to our club uh, and, and to the fans, etc. So um and it, in the end, like I said, I I, I, I really couldn't watch him more because it was just too moving, too, too upsetting as well, you know, because um, you, you just think you're 58 years old, for fuck's sake. He's three years younger than me. That's just so cruel. Mm. We've got a, another one on Mixler from Flying Celery uh, that why has he got Luca to use the term Charlie Potatoes? Yes. Because uh, he didn't know what Connors <laughs> was um, in English. He didn't know it was a phrase here. So he said, uh, we don't have any Charlie Potatoes at Chelsea to a bemused interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, it, it was that all of them have said today because he was, I think he was obviously being fed these colloquialisms by the likes of Wisey and people like that, you know, so slipping these phrases in um, as, as a, almost, I guess, as a way of thinking, look at me, I'm learning English, you know, I'm, 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 I'm down with the natives or whatever, even if the interview was thinking, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't help but smile as I, became, as I sort of look at, read things like that. You just think that's so lovely, you know? Um, yeah. Great, great man. Best way to remember people like Lucas with, with a smile. Yes. Um, I just want to you know, thank all of you for, for, jo for joining tonight. Obviously, for someone that never really got to watch Luca play or, or manage Chelsea, you're hearing the stories obviously helps you know, connect the legend to the club. And um, I'm sure the listeners as well uh, would agree with that. And I just want to give you all an opportunity to say sort of a final a word on, on Luca before we go. Um, I'll just start with you, Martin, sure at the top of the screen there. Thanks very much. Uh, yeah, it's been, been good to be on. Remember remember the great man and um, suffered a horrible disease. Hopefully he's at uh, peace now and, you know, sleep well, Luca. We love you. Yeah, thank you, Martin. Uh, Tony? It's hard to say anything after that, actually. Um, a, a cruel, cruel version of a disease that, by the time often with that particular variant, by the time you've got the symptoms, it's too late. Um, so for him to you know, continue for another five years from the original diagnosis um, probably says more about the spirit and the, uh, the fight of the man. Um, I just want to remember um, him as a, as a man who um, made Chelsea a nice place made us a, a good place to be, a good team to follow, and an absolutely wonderful and terrific example, not only to children and teenagers, but to grown men like me, to sometimes just think yourself, if Luke Ibiali thinks life is this, a lovely quote where he said um, something along the lines, I'm doing this verbatim, but it's um, something along the lines of, People talk about football as a battle or a war. It isn't. It's a sport. It's a game. And you play games with friends. And I just think that kind of sums up the heart and what a lovely man he was. So yeah. was very, very, very upsetting day. Very, very sadly missed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mark? 
yeah, very sad day today. I think the other thing I mentioned, Tony mentioned Sky Sports. Uh, I listened to Talk Sport today, like Sky, Sky News. Talk Sport were absolutely excellent today and how they handled the whole sort of loss agenda, to be honest. So big pattern back to how they, how they dealt with that today. Um, what, I, what I'd leave it with, um, obviously, Luca went off and did his punditry. He did a couple of books, and I'm lucky to have at home a couple of books, on one which is Luca written himself, the other one's written by Harry Harris. And he did a book a couple of years ago called Goals. If you haven't got it, I would you know, encourage you to seek it out. And I'm lucky I've also got Luca to sort of yeah, get a signed copy. And it's not so much a football book. It's like a, a book about ins- inspirational stories in there. And he gives sort of like life examples. And there's a lovely line in the book. And he basically says, life is made 10% by what happens to us and 90% by the way we react to it. If we change the way we look at things, things begin to change. And it's quite a really sort of good lesson at some time, how people react to things. And I think the other thing as well is the toxic place that is Twitter today. Do you know what? Twitter was lovely today, apart from yeah. the one or two idiots talking about transfer news. Sorry, wrong time, <laughs> wrong place. Yeah. But just that was also part of today. You listen on the radio and watching Chelsea fans worldwide posting their memories of Gianluca Vialli as the footballer, the manager, the human being. That was just lovely as well. And that was just part of sort of like dealing with it, just seeing the impact he had on so many people's lives. And then the broader football family as well, just seeing the Juventus fans. There's a brilliant video of Juventus fans singing about Vialli. Yeah, he was a big hero to them as well, as JK said. He won Scudettos with them. He won European Cups with them. He won Cups with them. And it was, I remember there was contro- controversy because obviously he was on um, Serie A like every Sunday when they were showing the game. Juve signed him in 1993 for £12,000,000. £12,000,000. Million, and people thought that was a waste of money and he thought it was like far too expensive. And then he scored the goals, you know, I think the following season that took him to the Scudetto. He was just, you know, money, money well spent. He was an amazing player for Chelsea, an amazing man. And I think it's just quite apt, you know, that he's reunited with his best friend, Ray Wilkins, as well. And there's a lovely tribute to him from Ross Wilkins today. He'll know the experience of losing someone so young at 50, yeah, 58 years of age. You know, as Tony said, it's no age whatsoever for a young man to die like that to what is an awful disease, you know. Thanks for all the memories, Luca. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Mark. And, and JK? Just to follow on that quote, actually, Mark, he, he actually said, didn't he, Ross Wilkins, one of the only true friends dad, which is Butch, obviously, had in football, a generous, kind man. And in fact, lots of the quotes have come up, um, not talking about him as, as this great colossus of football, which he was. He was one of the world's best footballers at the time. Uh, it, when we got him specifically having won the, the the Champions League, but they just said what what great fun he was as an aspect that um, I think you mentioned it, Mark, about all the um, uh, was it you, Tony, about all the trousers being yeah. cut on? Yeah, yeah. He was um, uh, the quotes, um, and he was also his his ability to to guide youngsters and be there for youngsters. Um, Paul Robinson, the Spurs goalkeeper, was uh, he just said when he was at. Um, Watford, the guidance and trust that he gave him was 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 just absolutely pure gold. And 
he, uh, and he just loved to laugh. He was a pleasure to be around. And even Gary Lineker said, one of the loveliest people you could ever meet. So on another level, he was actually, as well as being a terrific player, he was just a lovely, lovely man. And I think the quote that you gave about the 10% of the 90%, I think he was always willing to, to see the error of his ways. And uh, um, that made him the, 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 the unique individual that I think we've all come to the conclusion that he, he clearly was. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Again, just thank you to all of you for, for giving up your evening to, to share your memories and thoughts on, on John Luca. Um, that Crystal Palace game is going to be quite an emotional um, moment for, for a lot of fans. Um, also, we've got the, the fan cast evening with Jason Cundy after the game. So a great opportunity to, to raise a glass at that event with some of the fan casters that are going to be there and Jason Cundy as well. I'm sure there's going to be lots of stories uh, shared about that. And obviously all the, the ticket information is on the, the fan cast uh, Twitter. So I won't obviously try and plug that too much. It doesn't feel too right. Um, and I hope you agree with how we've, we've, we've held tonight. We've not spoken about Chelsea Football Club playing football, uh, which didn't feel right. Um, Chidge and JK and Guess will be back on Monday at 7pm as usual to reflect on that Man City FA Cup game, uh, which we do, we desperately hope is a win for John Luca. Uh, John Luca's passing is a reminder to us all that life is incredibly short and should be lived like Luca's with a smile. Good night, John Luca. God bless. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 